Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 119 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, occasional disgusting filmmaker and wannabe street rapper. And joining us this evening, he is the writer and executive producer of the Shutter exclusive film Host, it's Mr. Jed Shepard. Jed, good evening. Good evening, guys. I don't know how I'm going to top that but um <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll, we'll try <laughs> um, i'm excited to do this well i've got to say jed right honestly i would say that now just i'm just going to say it right out of the gate you've gone for 1989's teen witch <laughs> yeah um, i have which um i would say is probably the fastest and loosest we've played with the format in terms of which films <laughs> we would admit but um what i would also say is that i'm more than content to let that slide because this might be the best film i've ever seen yeah i <laughs> am content to change the entire format of the show from this point <laughs> onwards because of this film so the format before it was like basically horror films like like regular horror films not well, nothing like this basically we've played fast and loose before we've had films like memoirs of an invisible man and masters of the universe okay. and armageddon strangely so right, we've yeah, done right. things that are kind of straddle genre films i suppose and this is about a witch yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah we decided that that was about enough um so <laughs> <laughs> when we were um when we were trying to figure out what we we're gonna do when i kind of sent you an email being like are you still up for this just out of the blue yeah. i hadn't even asked i hadn't checked again about which film you wanted to do you just said not only am i coming on I want to do Teen Witch, and uh, so I had to, I'm not going to lie, I had to take a minute to familiarise myself with exactly what that was, and then I said, yeah, let's go for it. Why such a concrete choice? Why was that the first thing that came to mind, and the only thing that you sent back? It's because it's the, it's a real underrated movie, which I feel people still haven't discovered yet, even though it's, it's blatantly on Netflix, it's easy to access, but because maybe they didn't grow up with it it's not kind of like found the audience it should have had this was basically a reaction to teen wolf it was like a, mm-hmm. a girl's teen wolf basically so for some reason it didn't catch on like that but i feel like it kind of should have i think there's enough in it to bear kind of like multiple rewatches. it's weird and it's funny and it's bizarre and honestly i've watched this like a hundred times <laughs> like it's just great on the part on the background but i'm just like how did this get made like wh- why did it get made and where is everyone now and i've literally just watched a documentary about like like what people think of it now and like it's just a great little film that um that i love and hardly anyone else does um, how did you come across it originally? So I remember when it was because I collect VHS. That's my one of the things I do. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, and VHS was still available in, in like shops and things. Teen Witch was always like one of the cheapest films you could get. It was always in that kind of bargain like one one quid for three nights <laughs> and you know those films are usually like the, the, the terrible ones so I, w- I would always like get some cool stuff like i would i would get whatever the newest film out and i would always go oh well i've got another quid so i'll just stick it i'll just get teen witch it was like teen witch hocus pocus just basically witch themed like sure. comedy horrors <laughs> um so yeah and it was just something like i always used to watch and then in recent years it's kind of come back in the form of a meme like people 
uh, clipping bits out of it and, and saying, isn't this funny? Well, yeah, it's funny, but it's also like co- kind of cool as well. And I like the kitschiness of it. And I watched it with some friends recently, actually some of the cast of Host, and it was a first time for them. And now it's like all of their favorite movies. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, especially Caroline, Caroline from Host loves Teen Witch. Uh, That's so, interesting. Yeah, we just talk to each other in Teen Witch uh, gifts now. I just think it's a real underrated classic. I'm going to say classic. People need to invest some time in. I'm going to find right. it difficult um, to disagree with the C word there, Jed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm um, using it quite loosely. I'm quite losing it, using it quite loosely. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like I say, I, I think we've been loose about a couple of things in the run up to this, so I'm going to let it slide. Um, Andy, was that a first? This was obvious. Obviously, this was a first watch for me. These things almost always are. But Andy, was it a first watch for you? I've got to be honest, guys. It, it was. Um, I uh-huh. was a big fan. Teen Wolf and actually it's amazing how many of the story beats in this film kind of match the story beats of Teen Wolf and also yeah. the, the front cover is pretty much the same as the Teen Wolf <laughs> yeah but yeah the ten- like tonight was the first time I had, I had watched it and I was messaging my <laughs> wife because she's uh, she's over at her parents tonight and I had said uh-huh. to her like this film is an absolute revelation she's like what film is it tonight I said it's Teen Witch she was like are you fucking kidding? You have never seen Teen Witch. So I, I took a real I took a real ribbon tonight for never having seen this. And do you know what? I deserve yeah. it. It's one of those films that just feels like a hug. It feels like a, a hug you never knew you wanted, but you, you finally got it and it, it feels good. Jed, before we get started into the kind of proper substance of this, we do yeah. make everyone that comes on do one thing. I don't know if you've heard the show before or not, but we do ask the guest to uh, do something as a favor or for the benefit of uh, people who are listening that haven't seen the film. Okay, yeah. Andy, we'll put 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to count you in, and what we're going to be looking for you to do is give us your best 30 second synopsis of Teen Witch. How do you feel? Yeah, okay. But I had a feeling that you were going to be totally unfazed by that. Okay, um, <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. Okay, three. Two, one, go. Teen Witch is a movie about uh, Louise Miller, who's a a 15, going on 16-year-old girl, played by Robin Lively. And uh, like some other members of her family, at the age of 16, when you become a woman, apparently, you are bestowed some powers. These powers allow her to uh, live out the teen fantasy, which is to be the most popular girl in school, uh, to make her friend rap. In, in quotation marks, good um, to make creeps disappear. Time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's not a bad effort, I don't think. Yeah. Um, basically, you're right. I mean, like, it's it's it's, it's fundamentally a kind of like a high school slash coming of age thing with this kind of supernatural slash witchy bent. Yeah. However, we do open with what is potentially the sultriest sax intro that I've ever heard on any <laughs> film on the show, courtesy of uh, "Never Going to Be the Same Again" by Laurie Russo. Um, yeah, yeah. This film opens very much like a Channel Five erotic thriller. It does those silhouettes on the rooftop, <laughs> that kind of like dancing with like like wind blowing, and yeah. Apparently, they they filmed that way after the film was shot. They were like, "Oh, we need we need a way to like start this movie." So it, it was kind of an afterthought, I, I believe. Um, I see. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite fit in, but um, I'm I'm into it. I, I I like it. I think it I think it works. Mm, I'm very much into it. Uh, I noticed that, uh, <laughs> that that Brad is dressed like Johnny from Dirty Dancing, which I don't yeah, think is yeah. an accident. And obviously, and like Brad doesn't talk that much. I'm guessing he was just like a model, like a that they just got to play Brad because he barely does any kind of acting. He's mostly just there to look at. And and yeah, I mean, it starts off pretty solidly, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say. Although I think that what you're saying about it being um, kind of shot as an afterthought, like I say, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it fits as well. But 
like you don't expect it to kind of turn so sharply into what you get after the opening sequence is done. I think what I will say before we move on is that when I saw the credits come up at the start and I saw something saying songs composed by, I was like, hang on a minute, is this a musical? I have gotten to the yeah. end of the film and I'm still not sure. <laughs> it, yeah, it pretty much is a, it is a musical, but they, again, it's another time where someone plays fast and loose with the rules. It's just when they kind of feel like it, it's, it's a musical. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a teen drama. There um, is a musical. Yeah. Yeah, there's a stage musical, which uh, I would see, go see. I'd go see it right now. <laughs> Good, yeah. And also, I think the cast have reprised their roles in various different comedy sketches over the years. And yeah, it, it's it's starting to become the, the time of the teen, which I think people are understanding how, how great it is. Just like, like all pieces of genius, it was misunderstood in its own time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, Louise, we meet her here. Uh, she uh, wakes up because it was all a dream, obviously. She apprehends yeah. her brother, Richie, who uh, is eating under her bed while she sleeps, question mark? It makes no sense. He's eating under her bed and, she, and he's been reading her diary. He also looks like he is an old man that's been put into a young boy's body. <laughs> yes! He, he looks like he's seen things. Like he's, he's in witness protection or something. And he has, to, <laughs> he, has to, he has to play the part of like a 10-year-old kid to stop the gangsters like coming for him. He is a weird, weird kid. I wonder if he's done anything since. He when she weird. just got up one morning and her parents were like, this is Richie, he'll be your brother now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't ask him too many questions. <laughs> that boy um, is covered in food for this entire film. His whole face yeah. is covered in chocolate. It's quite unpleasant. Yeah, like what's his deal? What is his story? Yeah, and we'll come on to the part where, like, a little bit later on, where he's making what I can only assume is a weird pizza. Mm. I guess oh. it's a pizza. I, the, the, the kitchen is literally full of food that he has prepared in that scene. It's yeah. disrespectful. Like, it's just odd. Like, what's what's his story? Like, what's his job? Is he does he make food for the family? Is he? <laughs> no idea what's going on. Like, uh, do you think he's like some sort of like like Benjamin Button kind of afflicted houseboy that just makes all the food? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out at the end of that he was her dad. Like, <laughs> it's honestly, he, he it's weird. His face is all weird. Yeah, Dick yeah. Sargent's in this plane, not dad, and he looks far too know, old yeah. to be the, the father yeah. of a 15-year-old. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although um, no stranger I, to witches. Oh, yeah, he was, it was a bewitched, right? He was yeah. a bewitched. No, I, I, nice. I, I think that if this gets remade, the character of Richie should be played by Alfred Molina. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just with shoes tied to, to, his, uh, to his knees. <laughs> Um, but uh, Louise is portrayed, I think, as a very wholesome character here, kind of, yeah. um, I, th I think. And we do very quickly meet her friend, Polly, um, mm, yeah. who kind of very much kind of fit in that kind of 80s, like kind of spunky sidekick persona, yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. More yeah. than a swipe of Blossom about her. Oh, she's very Blossomy, isn't she? Yeah. It, oh, it, she's kind it, of like it, half Blossom, half Six. Yeah. She's like an amalgamation of both of them. Mm. Then you also kind of figure out how did they become friends? Because they just argue like the the whole time about things and mm. it's kind of like an annoying little character, um, which we'll come on to <laughs> I guess when we when we speak more about the film, but I'm not a fan of hers, to be quite <laughs> honest. I'm not mad sure that I am either. I think that you're supposed to be. Yeah, I think you're meant to feel sorry for her, but like when later on Louise gets popular, like Polly has just been a complete asshole about it. Like you should be happy for your friend, and like Louise is really trying to ingratiate her into the friendship group, but Polly's not having any of it. She's storming off all the time. So for me, Polly is uh, just an annoying character, even though she is in the best scene, obviously, which we're going to talk about. Oh God, yeah. I've already said I... too much that that's the best scene <laughs> in the film, and I challenge anyone to to change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> 
we do also get from a distance here, uh, and we, it's been established in the previous scene that we know that uh, Louise has a thing for Brad. We meet Brad from a distance here. Uh, convertible driving, meticulously coiffured. I hadn't really considered, Jed, until you said it. Yeah. How little dialogue he has in this film, because he really doesn't say much at all, does he? Nothing. We, even when she gets him in her room, she, he barely says anything. Like, it's like one or two lines, and, and they keep getting interrupted by other people. I think he wasn't an actor, that, that's my view, because he's, he's too much of a good-looking guy. Like, that's my... I bet he didn't do too much afterwards. He's got a mean line and furtive glances. Yeah, exactly. Oh, apparently he was on Friends. He was he he played someone on Friends briefly. So he did did go on to do other stuff. But yeah, I'm guessing he's that. just like he was like the good looking guy on Friends. He's also yeah. conservatively thirty years old. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, speaking of kind of like mysteriously ageless characters, uh, three of my favorites turn up here. Um, are three rapping men. Mm. Oh, what is their deal? And they seem to be the most popular kids in school as well. I'm like, they look horrible. They're they're like the mean guys, yet because they kind of rap, everybody loves them. Like, um, it's weird. I was astonished when later on you see Louise and Polly kind of admiring them from a distance, and Polly's kind of looking at like the head, kind of head rapper, the rapper in chief. Yeah, and uh, and she's like, oh, he's so funky. And I was yeah. like, oh, they're supposed to be the cool guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny because because they, they look kind of like they would be like the bullies in any other film, but they don't really do any bullying, not nope. not that much anyway. And all they want to do is just like do music, which is quite noble. But <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Like they, they really mess around with stereotypes there. And in fact, the the worst people in this are the kind of the nerds and the geeks. They're all portrayed to be like rapists and serial killers, basically. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of it's it's really playing around with with stereotypes. Uh, this movie. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, they switch around the stereotypes, so they're definitely still there. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Weaver. Shelley Berman. Yeah, he was uh, Larry David's dad on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. A real curiosity of a guy in this one. Sure. <laughs> My God, he's so inappropriate at all times. And even when later on he gets magically his, his trousers and he kind of strips in class, it you kind of have the feeling that this he has he's done this before. Like this isn't the first time he's got naked in front of a load of students. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but basically, yeah. Like I mean, what you have, like, so Mr. Weaver is demonstrably an arsehole, specifically to Louise twice. Yeah. He reads out something very embarrassing, like love poetry of hers in this scene. It's mm-hmm. um, a diary, uh, Mitch. It's a chocolate-covered a- page of a diary. Sorry, sorry, that's my mistake. And also, but kind of like suggests that she would absolutely be punching above her weight if she got with Brad. Um, (laughs) But then also kind of like makes a show of the fact that she's got birth control pills in her bag later on. So yeah, yeah, he does get his comeuppance. But like what I thought was interesting about when she kind of witch magics him into taking his clothes off is that at no point does he look like shocked that it's happening. Nope. And then even even when like he gets caught by another teacher, he's like, sorry, it was hot. And then he still keeps his job. Yeah. So he must have done it before. It must be a known thing. And the kids aren't even kind of phased by it. They're kind of just like giggling and laughing. Like, oh God, he's doing it again. That's the kind yeah. of vibe I got. Jed, the um, important word there is kids. These are children. This is an yeah. old man stripping off. He would go to prison. <laughs> yeah. So what she's Definitely. actually doing there is in an attempt to embarrass him. She's actually destroying this man's life. I know, which she does num- numerous times to people, Like, which, which we can talk about a bit later, mm. but I feel He's like an accidental sex with, offender. Yeah, he is. and This time. Yeah. <laughs> I think she went a little bit too far. I mean, he did go far, but he, he didn't ruin her life, really. No. But, like, yeah, that's ruined a man's like career and 
like marriage maybe even absolutely i want to touch on the fact that uh, by the 11 minute mark this film has had two songs that have both got um, accompanying coordinated dance uh, numbers True. yeah uh, next up being i like boys uh, in the cheerleaders locker room mm-hmm. I, I i love this scene it's i think i think it's really good and like but if you notice, all of the kind of like cheerleaders have this like purple leotard on yeah. to show that they're that they're popular. But so, but like, <laughs> so is she. So is Louise. Louise is wearing that purple leotard. Like, so is she a cheerleader too? Like, well, at this at this point, I don't think she is. She does become later when she's popular. But I feel like, and she's like relatively pretty as well. I feel like her life was fine before all of this witch stuff. Like, she, I feel like she was relatively popular. Boys kind of liked her anyway. She was kind of in with the good people in school. I'm not sure how much this kind of witchiness magic kind of helped her in, at all or is helping her. But yeah, no, I, ju- I just love how cool this uh, musical number is. It's like really fun. It's quite <laughs> possible that Louise was just having one bad week yeah. in, an, in an otherwise fine existence. And this is how she, yeah. this is how she reacts. Um, but this scene, yeah, reductive lyrics aside, um, I'm quite into it. <laughs> <laughs> I also I, I love this thing where it's like uh, we paid for the rights to this song and god damn it we're going to get the use of it because you hear almost the whole thing yeah yeah I, I gather that cheerleaders are quite used to doing things in sync right I, I'm pretty sure that's yeah. their, that's their kind of that's their thing yeah. their raison d'etre <laughs> right but they seem to be right onto this with very little messing about also it seems to me like they're planning on doing this in public at some point which I think is a terrible idea yeah you can you can do that now really um <laughs> but like you've also got to think who who are they in in the locker room who are they actually performing for because like she because louise was like hiding around the corner mm. like so yeah who, who was this for and what's the purpose of the song like it, just in, in terms of the whole film like why do we need to know these cheaters like boys like we kind of assume that so because because like the purpose of a song in a musical is to further the story but i feel i don't feel like uh, that particular song furthered the story at all. It's just it gives you what you already know. Whereas some of the other songs kind of do further the story because they literally tell you what's happening on screen in, in some of the songs, which we'll come on to. Yeah. So like, after this, I see the, the scene where they kind of they do the audition for the play, where you've got yeah. um, uh, it's Brad, Brad and, uh, and Louise. Yeah. Yeah. So Brad's auditioning for the night. Louise is auditioning for Rondine. Considering how how heavily embarrassed she's been moments earlier uh, in the classroom, uh-huh. I think that she does an okay job here, but she doesn't get it. But what I think is funny, when they're announcing who does get what, they um, they read it out and it's like, right, um, so uh, Brad is the knight, uh, Ondine is Kiki, and the assistant Kiki. costume mistress is um, Louise. And I was like, choosing those three to read out feels very tailored to our specifications. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you think they 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 name a few other characters before they name the the costume girl? Yeah, yeah. certainly. Actually, the the primary costume is just before you name the assistant one. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah very true. I also don't very think true. it's fair that we see uh, Louise lose this role without seeing any of Kiki's audition. Yeah, that's true. But I guess they do kind of like big up Kiki a little bit later on to say how great she is and great her voice is. But yeah, out out of the cheerleaders, I think Kiki Kiki is probably my favorite just in terms of uh, her whole vibe. Yeah, but she, at least I, I feel like Kiki's the most well-rounded of them, although I guess yeah. essentially it should be Randa, who actually I feel very sorry for, because she's in a, an extreme... That must be an extremely confusing relationship she's in for her. Yeah. Randa, Randa just for listeners' benefits, I don't think we made it entirely clear. Randa, Brad's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah, and this is another point in, 
like about this movie where it plays with the usual high school teen movie stereotypes because these cheerleaders then they're, they're not airheads they are creatives they they <laughs> are actors and they're musicians and the and the bullies in the school are creatives as well so it's really it's really weird that usually they're completely separate and and if you if you're into the drama side of school then you'd probably be bullied and looked down upon by the most popular kids but all the popular kids like the creative stuff too which is which is especially Brad. Brad is is a A star um, sports guy, but he's also a great actor within the confines of the school play. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like he's it's almost too, too good to be true. Yeah, I would actually make the contention that you see very little in the way of bullying to anyone here. I think it's very like a, apart from the like it is told to you who the popular and unpopular people are. It's I, I think yeah. it's very difficult to tell just from context. Definitely, yeah. So things kind of gear shift here a little bit. We get a scene where Louise is kind of not knocked off her bike by Brad, but certainly spooked off her bike by his reckless driving. Um, (laughs) She needs the use of a phone and stumbles upon the house of uh, Madame Serena, a hater of telephones, reader of palms, third-person tense enthusiast. Um, (laughs) Played here by Zelda Rubenstein. Second yeah, appearance yeah. on this show after Poltergeist 3. Sure. Um, oh, I love her. Doing really, really good work in this, I think, again. Yeah, yeah, if there's yeah. a coined headscarf <laughs> and large earrings, then you're phoning <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's she's great. She's great. and She, she just does what Zelda Rubenstein does in, in every single film, which is to give exposition about something spooky. Like, this is these are the rules of the spooky thing. Uh, whatever you do, follow the rules and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, she's obviously got the job based on her poltergeist work. Sure. Yeah. Because she's essentially playing the same character. But I, I, I love seeing her in everything. Yeah. Like, she's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I think I actually referred to her in the Portuguese episode, which is a pint-sized exposition vessel. Yeah, that, exactly. Was, That's what she yep. is. Yeah, on the subject of exposition, we do find out here that uh, Louise is a witch. She'll get her powers on her 16th birthday, which conveniently is like tomorrow. It's the next scene. Yeah. So I, I have I have, a, I have a timeline query about this. So we are at what appears to be her 16th birthday party, and she's sad because nobody is there, which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah. um, and it's awkward when her mum hands her the present and says this was very expensive. Yes. Um, needless to say, Richie is in the background eyeing up the cake because oh. because of course he is. <laughs> of course. So she gets a call from Polly who says, "I heard this as Randa is having a party tonight, yeah. which is obviously a problem because it's where everyone's going to be." Mm-hmm. But then I'm pretty sure that she said she's inviting everyone after school, and I was like, "It's night time. What time uh. of day is this? What's going on here? And what is the timeline of this week?" It could be the winter, <laughs> and it could be seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I didn't even, th- but then, I didn't even think about that. Could it be the night before? Maybe potentially. I, I thought that it was like she was be she like the party was at her house and she was at that point sad that nobody had been there, which is what confused me. I think that's the most sensible conclusion. I think. <laughs> I've not. I wasn't even allowed to open a Christmas present the night before. I sure as fuck wasn't getting my birthday cake <laughs> the night before. <laughs> yeah, that's very odd. Yeah. I'll tell you what else is odd, the sex education scene that follows here, because we're back to school, uh, sex education taught by uh, veteran home economics teacher Mrs Crocker. <laughs> you mean when uh, Sparky Sperm meets Edna Egg and there's a hilarious rap about cocks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. But this is like straight out of, of there's a similar scene in Greece too, I feel, mm. with about the re- reproduction organs, etc. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of just like a whole Frankenstein's monster of various different scenes from, yeah. from different films. I don't know, I kind of like this stuff. Like, I think it's quite interesting. What, what, did, what did you think of this? Well, I've got a couple of observations about this scene. First, I think it's a oh, pretty... Oh, bet ha- you fucking do. <laughs> First, I think it's a pretty high-level sex education class. Like, it's, not, it's not exactly detail-oriented. No. Uh, secondly, <laughs> I wouldn't say that an umbrella is an approximate analogue for a penis. <laughs> 
And also, she seemed really shocked that it was, she's she's the one that pressed the button on the umbrella. When it opened, she she, she seemed quite shocked by it, which I <laughs> yeah, which I thought was kind of confusing. But um, yeah, I'd like to think that she did all those drawings on the board herself as well of uh, the sperm and, <laughs> and the, uh, the 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 crazy like egg. Just red faced, shaking her head, chalk shaking her, trembling in her hand. Like, also, what the fuck's wrong with a banana? Like, I'd have been more surprised if she pulled out a banana and it burst open and an umbrella came out. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it, it feels like, like the director probably tried a few things and the umbrella was probably what stuck. Because, I mean, a lot of this film doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> I, I feel like it's just the overall collection of weirdness that makes it great. I love the idea of the director just sitting with his head in his hands looking at a bunch of phallic, roughly phallic shaped objects on a table. <laughs> Going, what is the least phallic thing that we can get away with in a PG? <laughs> and also, what has the funniest mechanism? <laughs> this film, like I was, I was looking at um, a interview with um, the cast about it, and when it when this came out, this was kind of a bomb. It, I think what was it? the budget was two point five million, and the, in its opening weekend, it grossed three thousand eight hundred and seventy five dollars, <laughs> and then yeah. And then it only overall worldwide for its entire run, it made twenty seven grand. Whoa! Um, hell. Yeah, but then it kind of found a second life when it on the Disney Channel um, in, in America. The Disney Channel almost okay. repeated it like constantly, and then everyone started to go, "Oh, well, actually, this is quite fun." And it, it found its audience like on on the Disney Channel. But I wonder how scenes like this played on the Disney Channel. Did they cut it out? Did, what, oh, what did you'd they think. Do? Yeah, <laughs> you'd think because because again, it it doesn't like it's it's not of massive narrative significance. I think no, it's just it's there for a laugh. So like, yeah. so yeah, it, it's probably reasonably expendable. But you're right. Also, but I didn't realize those numbers. That's the kind of numbers that make yeah. like articles about box office bombs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. It did not do well. <laughs> After this, uh, Randa approaches Louise and says, uh, "Oh, my cousin's coming uh, into town for the dance on Friday, which is presumably not her Sweet Sixteen party or Randa's party. This is a separate other engagement that is happening yeah. this week. These kids um, never stop." <laughs> so louise agrees and i think that we should just dig straight into the party scene here because uh so mm-hmm. randa's cousin comes to pick her up he looks kind of like if millhouse became a person i think yeah but but even more obnoxious he's not he's just the worst he is the worst uh-huh. Uh-huh. dreadful character he's like, he's like like yeah. uh and also just has that kind of like creepy vaguely sexual assaulty vibe to him later on yeah. as well yeah there's nothing mm. vague about his intent to sexually assault this girl okay, yeah true, oh god yeah, yeah. I do think that I do think it's uh, funny though uh, when we get off to the dance. Maybe is it DJ Raimondo? DJ. Um, <laughs> oh my uh, god, what's his deal? Well, DJ uh, Raimondo, yeah. someone's dad. Yeah, but he also just looks like he's he's been like dragged through a hedge and come straight straight there. Like, it, like his face, his face doesn't make sense. It's all over the place. <laughs> is it like he did look at? <laughs> Honestly, like if you if you pause it on him, he's just like he looks like a garbage pail kid. That, that, that's his face. <laughs> like, it, it, it does look a bit like it's the one night of the year when he gets to see natural sunlight. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, everyone's favourite DJ, Raimondo. And he's like, whose favourite DJ? Like, oh my god. <laughs> he also says something like, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, it's time to sow our wild oats or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> like, we, like, we know that statistically not everyone in this room is 16, you fucking lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! But but yeah, sure. Uh, everyone's favorite DJ. Um, this feels like as good a point as any to mention this because we get into like a, there's a slow song here. There's like a slow dance number here. If you like, it's like it's like this big brash power ballad, and it made me think at this point that I was like, I love the fact 
that all of literally every single one all of the music cues in this film feel like such big choices yeah <laughs> oh man yeah and everyone seems to know like how to dance really really well there's like there's no weak links anywhere everyone is superb um, <laughs> yeah. yeah gotta tell you in my experience of social dancing at my school uh, we were in no way this confident either in the <laughs> dance moves or around the opposite sex yeah and everyone's paired up basically as well aren't they which is like totally the opposite of the truth apart from Polly <laughs> she went on her own like a loser I guess she, she kind of maybe ended up with the uh, top of that guy maybe but I mean, like, generally, the, the people the people who show up to these things alone uh, at the time, history will remember, like, they're on the right side of history. They'll be remembered as the ones who turned out to be the kind of more self-assured people later because they had to deal with that, you know? Yeah, She'll have turned yeah. out way better than any of the rest of these guys. You know, the rest of these guys are going to peak at high school um, uh, and, she, and she's going to yeah. be fine. So we see that the first real kind of, like, uh, like her powers in action, she has a conversation with Brad because she kind of wishes aloud that he comes over. Um, yeah. And he does that, kind of invites himself to her house on a Friday night to uh, do some English, to some English homework. Classic. If I don't get a better grade, then I can't play football. Shtick. Yeah. Do you think she used her magic here to, to make him come over? Because I think he was going to ask her anyway because he wanted her, him to help her with her, his English. Otherwise, he'd fail. So I feel like it was almost like a waste of a spell here because I feel like he was already going to ask her. Or do, or do you think he wouldn't have done it? I'm inclined well, to agree with Jed because we know mm-hmm. that her spells have limited... They've got like a kind of time restriction on them. Yeah. Uh, this one in particular never seems to expire. That's just what yeah. she is now. She's his tutor. She teaches... The, yeah. She teaches the brain-damaged jock how to do English. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I think that I, I think I assumed it because it looked so much like it played out along with what she was saying. But I guess also, if you were wishing for something, then you would presumably wish for something a little bit more. Uh, I guess something a little less mundane than come over yeah. to look at like to do your English homework or whatever. Mitch, you know? stick so, yeah, with the yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. Stick with the film, Mitch, because she's going to do that. I mean, this is very true, yeah. But I mean, yeah. but before that, I mean, like, also, we, we hear about her spells being uh, weak because she's like a beginner witch, but she does disappear someone from behind the wheel of a car and presumably almost costs multiple lives because the car is moving. I've got a lot of questions yeah. about this. Um, so many questions. So you, you, you start. <laughs> well, we, we never see David again, right? Obviously, he's getting a bit handsy yeah. and quite frankly out of control, and she does make him disappear. Now, I believe he's just. Is that him? Is he, is he in limbo? Is he dead? Be- no one questions his whereabouts. She should be under investigation as a potential murderess because she was the last person to be seen with him. Yeah, well, I, I, I totally agree. I think he is now gone out of existence. But not only that, I think she's wiped anyone's memory of, of him as well because even his like cousin doesn't question, like, where 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 is he? And, Brad does, though. Yeah. Brad says, um, look, I'm sorry I left you, but oh, I'm always a bit of a dick. But no, then he doesn't but, like, By the way, did you... Do you know what happened to him? Because like we've been trying, we've yeah. been trying to get in touch with him for days. Like I know, yeah. I know he does this from time to get time. worried. Yeah, but like, yeah. But you're right. But they can't. They can't blame her because there's, there's no body. Like without no body, no murder. Yeah. It's like he's been missing for four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> His parents would be on the news. Yeah, it's true. Teen, teen Witch Two could be like be called Witch Trials. Oh. It'll be her. Like holy yeah. shit, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just her dealing with with the consequences of all the shit that she had to do in, in Teen Witch. Just really dark, yeah. like, when the exorcism of Emily Rose gets a bit shite and legal towards the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and like, and your B story could be the harrowing backstory of Richie. 
<laughs> yeah, what Richie's deal? He was like kept in a cellar for like most of his life and uh-huh. fed dog food. Speaking of Richie, yeah, the next scene is when he gets turned into a dog. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you could kind of see it coming as soon as she said, um, "Whatever you say, bounces off you and sticks to no, bounces off me, sticks to you, etc." You knew what was coming, but yeah, they obviously didn't get a trained dog. They just got any dog <laughs> because it just didn't really act to what was happening. Like it, it was just like placed in the kitchen and they just followed it around with the camera yeah. and then just let him say whatever he wants because he was just saying all kinds of crap that didn't make any sense. I'd have also liked mm-hmm. a slightly chubbier messy looking dog that looked a bit more yeah. like him. Like one that had a bit of pizza sauce on its face. Yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe for a minute that that was him as a dog. That was more like random. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is why you guys are the filmmakers. This is why you guys are up there and I'm down here. <laughs> but like, <laughs> These kinds I, of ideas. Did you? I looked a little bit into like like who he is and listen to this about his personal life. Um, oh God! So so his real name's Joshua John Miller. Miller was born okay. in Los Angeles to actor and Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Jason Miller and actress and Playboy pinup Susan Bernard. Jason Miller, um, not Jason Miller from The Exorcist. Oh, it. Is Jason Miller from The Exorcist? Fucking oh my god! Hell. <laughs> oh my god! That's blown my mind. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god! Not only that, his half brother is Jason Patrick. He's Jason Patrick from um, um, Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Yeah. What, what the, the fuck? What the fuck is going on? This guy, and he's openly gay. And as of 2013, is in a relationship with fellow screenwriter Ma Fortin. Who? What's he done? He wrote the pilot for that TV show, Queen of the South. Okay, um, and also for the horror film, The Final Girls. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that's a Final Girls is a good film. Yeah, yeah. I like that film. So that little Richie is quite well connected in Hollywood. So, so there you go. Uh, that also like that that strengthens the argument that we should have done this film in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, that is. Um, so we're back to Serena for some cliff notes. We learned that the, he changed back from being a dog because her beginner spells are weak, which we've touched on. So she, we do get a kind of like a rocky training montage of her kind of just sharpening her skills up a little bit, conjuring the weather, all this kind of thing. Seems to be able to yeah. do some things fairly quickly. Like the learning curve seems to be quite uh, shallow. Well, it's just it, it, reading yeah. stuff out of a book. It's true, but it doesn't make any sense because a lot of the stuff she can just do by rubbing her amulet other stuff she needs like potions and stuff and and like she needs to spread things on on her bed and <laughs> recite words but like you'd think coming up to the greatest scene in the movie that would cost more kind of like effort than than it did because she's basically in control of electronics and multiple people rather than just one person which is interesting but yeah we'll, mm-hmm. we'll come on to that yeah i just yeah. want to touch on one thing before because we've talked about when mr weaver becomes an accidental sex offender uh, yeah. I just want to quickly touch on when Miss Malloy is gifted everything she ever dreamt and kind of goes off to live her dreams <laughs> yeah. as a, a millionaireess <laughs> with a guy called Armando Legando. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fake name if ever I've heard it. That is a man who wants to use her for his mon- for her money. A hundred percent. There are some definitely things to talk about that situation at the end. Mm. I've, got mm. some, I've got some questions to... I've oh, got friends okay. who've told people in nightclubs okay. that they're Argentinian counts. Yeah, <laughs> he he has a sports car, and she's been going around the Amalfi Coast or whatever she's been doing with him. She's been getting um, banged yeah. across the globe by this <laughs> <Yeah>. young mustachioed <laughs> playboy. Yep, this esteemed Argentinian dignitary. 
like uh, yeah. Amando Legando. <laughs> yeah, it it does sound a lot like I'm an Argentinian count called Armando Legando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're leaning quite hard into like when she's starting to kind of like use spells to bend her life and her high school environment to her whim. Like uh, she yeah. uses a truth spell to get Randa to pick a fight with Kiki, which I think is extremely vindictive because Kiki has done the least wrong of anyone in this yeah, and basically just Kiki's gets a load awesome. of. Yeah, you know what? She's like, she's like, she's the low key MVP of this thing. Mm, and she gets yes. an unbelievable bad rap from her pals for being a shite singer and she's never claimed to be a good singer yeah. and yeah. also having an alcoholic mother which is not her fault sure. exactly. and then she got pushed into the into the swimming pool yep that, right. that argument ends like every high school argument i've ever seen by someone being thrown into a pool <laughs> yeah very uncalled for very unfair collateral damage in my humble opinion but more to the point uh she does kind of go to serena and look to conjure up a spell to make brad love her and at that point when she was like i need to make him love me i was like presumably this is the beginning of uh, this film starting to pull in towards an ending that i'm assuming will be quite moralistic sure yeah not only that love slave is the word used by the medium love slave which is <laughs> yes all kinds of wrong aha uh-huh. I, yeah I, I caught that as well a 16 year old <laughs> yeah yeah just though i think he brad was probably in his 20s when he did this at least he was 26 oh, 26 yeah that, that makes perfect sense it's worth mentioning that like we do have this scene where brad comes over so she kind of like gears up to do the needful with the spell ultimately doesn't do it sure yeah thankfully otherwise as a viewer we'd probably not like her anymore really because it's it's tantamount to like rape basically what she was planning yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. glad that she chickened out the last minute uh, when she realised she can't really do that. Ah, oh, you're right. Spells, pearl on his drink, it's the same thing. Yeah. You're still taking away a person's agency. Yeah. Yes, Mitch. You yes. Know. But um, yeah, Mr. Weaver, we've touched on it. I don't think we really need to look at it any further. Uh, he is basic. Mr. Weaver is basically made into an accidental sex offender. And then could easily be killed in a car wash. Yeah, because they're really dangerous. But he seemed to... <laughs> Again, he seemed to have had this experience before. <laughs> he, he was not phased. Just when he offered the guy money, if it was almost like it was for like a sexual kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, keep keep it for thank you for the hot wax. I was like, wow, yeah. this guy's into some crazy stuff. Yeah, uh huh, uh-huh. yeah. Because um, uh, I I thought that is that like, especially oh, since yeah, that. in the in the previous scene he was completely unfazed at the notion of exposing himself to school children. <laughs> yeah. So like. Um, at this point, though, it is time. We've touched on it. I think we can all agree that this is the centre point of this film, the pinnacle of this film's achievement, and indeed the pinnacle of the achievement of any film in the history of Western cinema. <laughs> Very specific, Mitch. <laughs> so, first off, it's a welcome return for who I believe are referred to as the Michael Terry Rappers. Um, <laughs> is that what they're called? That's what the subtitles called them, the Michael Terry Rappers. Ah. Um, they're like the coolest guys in school who are this like hip-hop trio with like Hawaiian shirts, waistcoats, braces, greaser haircuts. But yeah, they're kind of sitting back admiring them like in this kind of very reverent kind of way. Mm. Um, where Polly's like, oh yeah. my god, that guy's so cool, he'd never go near me. Funky. Well, yeah. yeah, funky. Look how yeah. funky he is. I will never be hip. That's what she said. However, Louise just had happened to have a wee funkiness charm in the old uh, in the old back pocket. Yeah, and not only does she control the the radio, isn't it funny? Like the radio was already playing that song, so that it wasn't really magic. But the camera really focused in on the radio. It was already playing that song, so it, you didn't really need any magic. Um, and. <laughs> And they were already singing the same song. So, like, 
so I guess like her the, the actual magic part is is her making giving Polly the confidence to do that. But we never really see the after effects of this. But let's talk about the, the actual top that situation. So so she thinks by giving Polly this confidence to rap, it will help her get the guy essentially. Um, yeah. And Polly goes, she just bursts into it about I'm hot and you're not. No, she no her her line is like that supersonic idiotic disconnected line, and it is crazy. It's just like words squished together. It's it's not a, it's not a rap. It makes no sense. She confronts the object of her affection, and if that was me, I would be like, "Lady, you're 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 actually crazy. You need to go and seek help because we don't know who you are, and you're you're just shouting in my face." But yeah. He, <laughs> He seems to kind of be into it, and like, and him and his crew are doing the dance, which is basically just swaying back and forth, crossing, but like, up, crossing their arms across the chest. For the for the purpose of being on this podcast, I, I looked into like who wrote this song, what's the deal, and again, this song was attacked on after the whole film was finished. They said, wow. "Oh, we think we need one more scene." They got a guy basically who wasn't a rapper; he was like this already quite old white man. And they said, "Can you also do raps?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I, I can do a rap because just needed the money." So he had to this. I think he was like probably in his late forties at the time. He had to come up with this crazy rap really quickly and in front of all of these execs, like perform it for them. So he was kind of like the, the guy in this, like embarrassed and kind of out of his depth. And he performed wow. this in, in a kind of a boardroom to to some uh, studio execs. And he said that it was just complete silence for like ten seconds, and then one person just went, "That's brilliant." Just that's stood great. up. The slow clap. Yeah, and it, yeah no, and he said, <laughs> that's exactly what he said happened. He said everyone started clapping, and I was like, "Oh my god, are you are you for real?" But then this documentary interviewed Polly and Rhett, and they're extremely, extremely embarrassed by it. But it's only recently they kind of realised how kind of iconic it is. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and they still get recognised for this one scene like years later. And it is the iconic scene in, in this whole film. It doesn't seem to have a massive impact really though on Polly's love life. Up until <laughs> right at the end, they have no other interactions. You never see them hand in hand. You never see them kissing. Yeah. It really has no impact apart from he might now think she's a bit less shit. Yeah, but I would be scared of her. Like, if I saw her around school, I'd be like, "What? That girl is crazy." She, mm. like, I'm not sure. I mean, I know this is meant to be a musical, but it didn't feel very musical to me. What I saw right there. I don't know, man. No. I don't think I would be that bothered by it. I'm, I'm not afraid at all of a powerful wordsmith. I am. <laughs> I, I would be like, I, I would treat her with respect and the dignity that I think she's earned. By frankly. <laughs> Entering a battle rap that she wasn't invited to and winning. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, um, we kind of race. We kind of race through the escalating popularity of uh, Louise after this. You know, uh, she inexplicably oh, yeah. gets backstage at a concert by the singer Shana, who gives her her lucky jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, she gets um, catcalled by a car full of battle rappers. Yeah, and you forget this. The, the, around this time, the, the soundtrack is. The most popular girl. It's just the lyrics are just basically telling you exactly what you what you're watching. Someone Absolutely. who's become the most popular girl in school. She really does as well. She literally walks into the class, uh, into classrooms to applause. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and she, everyone's dressed like her. Which she is funny. has a really cobwebby fucking a horrible house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Is is it like is Brad still with Randa at this point? Yes. He goes to the yeah, he goes to yeah. the fucking prom with he goes, us. He goes to the dance yeah. there, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But we, yeah, as we mentioned earlier, we do find out at this point that the teacher from earlier on that won the lottery is still gleefully traveling the world with Armando Legando. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Louise has kind of completed her ascent at this point, I think. She also says break a leg to Kiki before she goes on stage at the play and she literally breaks her leg. And I actually think that that as a kind of misunderstanding of how her powers work was hilarious to me. Yeah, it's great. But poor Kiki, she just gets, she gets she's the butt of every single like bad thing that happens in this movie. It's always Kiki. It's constantly getting shit on, honestly. I want to see, Kiki, I want to see Kiki's film about the troubles that she has at home about people reading Hub Diary and how she she's a cunt because she doesn't fix Kiki's leg when she has the power to do so holy shit you're right oh my god she could quite easily fix her leg yeah holy shit what a bitch I'd never considered that Um... was from her point of view it'd be like Buffy it'd be like this girl who's plagued by like the supernatural but always seems to be caught up in it for some reason. I think she must fix Kiki's leg because Kiki's dancing at the, at the the party at the end with gleeful yeah, abandon. Yeah, you're right. But, but damage is done. She's not in the play, you know? Oh, that's true, yeah. When we see her kind of reaching the peak of her popularity, I looked down for like one second to write a note and back up and she had shelves full of cards and like this legion of banner-wielding fans in her front garden. Like, yeah. did something happen? Did she do something? No. She wore a jacket. It's just magic. Yeah. That jacket that looks like terrible as well. It's covered in sequins. It's awful. Like See up until she comes to the party, right? Because when she comes to the, the dance at the end, she looks sensational. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would rather have normal Louise any day of the week than the Louise that she yeah. chooses to kind of present herself as for most of the film. I... The egomaniac Louise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that it's like, I think we may as well kind of get into talking about the final scene of this thing because it is remarkable. <laughs> um, so but, so uh, Brad asks her to the dance. I mean, it seems like, I don't know, it's like, it seems like there's dances every three days in this place. Yeah, there is, yeah. Did you know uh, that some brothers know a butler? Yeah, what's the deal with that? I think- <laughs> Houseboy. I think it's he's a houseboy. Yeah, he doesn't want to be turned into a dog anymore, so he's like trying to. <laughs> I feel like he aged 30 years in, in, in the space of like 10 minutes. His face is looking ancient. He's like 10 years old. Why is uh, it that the dad like, listen, you can't do this to your brother. That's not fucking fair. Like, that's absolutely not on. Like, What have you got on him that he's now, that he's now waiting on you hand and foot? This is totally inappropriate. <laughs> oh man she turns down brad's kind of invitation to the dance doesn't try to explain why which i think under the circumstances is probably fair enough do you know i yeah. think that says a lot about randa as a person about the person that she is that she's okay with then just running right back into brad's arms after her the treatment of her like yeah. this, this is appalling you're not wrong you're Agreed. not wrong but she goes to serena's and tries to do, and wants to reverse the spell she wants to be herself again she realizes that all this adoration isn't earned my favorite thing, my, like just just before we get to the dance, I love it when uh, I believe it's Serena. Is it Serena that says the real magic is believing in yourself? It is, yeah, 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 it is, yeah. <laughs> it's an incredibly wholesome sentiment, isn't it? <laughs> and that's the point where she, Louise, tries to sit on her lap, but they realize it's better if it's the other way around, and uh, she sits on her lap just because she's small, I guess. Because she's so little. Oh, yeah, it's quite funny that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I also laughed earlier when Zelda Rudenstein pulled out an enormous spell book that was bigger than her. <laughs> but yeah we do end at prom big plans ahead for everybody everybody's talking about going off to college doing this that and the other as louise arrives as do the uh the rappers again everyone launches into another very well rehearsed dance i feel like the film would have been incomplete without one to kind of wrap things up 
Yeah, this yeah. feels very much like when Scott turns up at the dance in Teen Wolf and everyone's looking at him yeah. and they're all like kind of dancing around him. It's exactly the same. It plays out exactly the same. So yeah, she kind of has her she ha- has her kind of big moment of like uh, self actualization. Returns her amulet uh, that was the source of her powers to a swooning Serena who has somehow got past the chaperones. Mitch doesn't matter mm-hmm. a fuck because she was doing magic before she had that amulet. Yeah, that, what I'm reading into this is like Serena's powers were probably waning or something because it feels like she's really taken an interest in this new new witch basically she seemed really happy that there was a new witch in town i feel like she her plan was the whole time was to leech off her powers and i feel like the amulet was could be some kind of like thing that would sucks out louise's powers or, or makes i don't know i just feel oh like God. serena is potentially not the good guy that she portrays herself oh, to she's be. she's got a beautiful house out of it her house is all done up at the end yeah that's interesting Fucking hell. Hidden depths, man. Hidden depths. <laughs> By the way, an um, amazing fact, that house is the house from Thriller. From the no, end of the Thriller no. video. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Zelda Rubenstein's house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Zelda Rubenstein's actual house. Yeah, she lives um but brad approaches her and takes her hand they're together this time without magic which is all very wholesome a very happy ending i'm not sure it's the correct one i think that the better thing here would have been for her to realize that you can't make people love you see that's what teen wolf does better because scott has the same relationship with that blonde woman who's going out with a psycho Um, but he also has booth who should be his true love i think if there was a true love if polly was the true love character or not like Ducky, for, because he's a pure rapist. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, if there was another character, like an ancillary character who should have been the true love, that's what you want. That's what you really want. There. That's how. Yeah. You, that's how this film should have ended. Because I was left with questions. Loads of questions. Well, the the main question for me at the end of it is: so, so now she's um, Louise has basically reversed all of the spells she's done previously. What about the teacher that she gave this perfect life to? Like. Now that teacher's stuck with a guy who hates her um, and has to come home to... She doesn't have a job anymore. Like, she's ruined this woman's life. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah, like, she, she left everything behind, and now this count probably wants nothing to do with her, and it's probably like, who are you? Why are you in my mm. castle? Um, <laughs> and she has to explain that and find her own way back to, back to LA or wherever they're from, and yeah, she's ruined that person's life. Uh, maybe David is back to continue trying to molest people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that means David is back, yeah. Oh, God. But you'd just have to explain like where he's been for the last week or whatever. I definitely want a film set 30 years after the events of this film. Yeah. You could well, get like, that uh, made. Rich. You could get that made. Yeah, I could. Yeah, like Louise is now living in the woods like the Blair Witch, and like there's all these rumours about a girl who had all these powers like 30 years ago. Jed, you wrote the most talked about horror film in the world right now. You can get this made. I I, I actually could, but like, um, I I don't know. I think they were trying to do a Teen Witch uh, remake as well um, a few years back. Interesting. Um, I would have to make it a lot more scary, though. Mm. Mm. And I'd also have to make the witch, yeah, kind of evil. When When you boil down into it, it's quite disturbing at points. Oh, it's it's just so disturbing. Yeah, just she doesn't have control of her powers, like which could lead to like so much death and destruction. Really, <laughs> like she could if, have killed a little brother for yeah, sure. Yeah, and 100%. if I made if I made a, a guy disappear, right, I would be racked with guilt. I'd be living in the corners of my eyes. She doesn't give a fuck. No, she doesn't at all. Remorseless. And, but also, like she won won the lottery for her teacher. Why didn't Why didn't she do that and give it to like 
people who need it, like starving people around the world. She doesn't she even need to do that, Jed, because we've learned that yeah. she can make money from coal. <laughs> that, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Um, Jed, hell of a selection. Got to hand it to you. Like I say, uh, looked at it, we decided that her being a witch was a good enough... Uh, entry criteria <laughs> yeah. um uh, i had a great time with this i had a feeling that i was going to get on board with it from very early doors and i did uh i am looking forward to uh making people watch this because uh yeah i was pleasantly surprised by it i thought it was really good fun oh cool uh yeah i, I hope people listen to this and and instantly watch it. it's currently on netflix as well so it's very easy to, yes, to kind of get hold of yeah um our listeners are generally pretty good at chasing these things up as well i think they do get curious about this kind of thing so i would imagine yeah. that there'll be like this inexplicable upward spike <laughs> in its it netflix is. numbers right. um andy your impressions uh best film we've ever done <laughs> amazing amazing jed do you have a sec to talk about host as well yeah yeah hosts i think it's fair to say that it's the genre film success story of 2020 i think that that's i don't think that that's an overstatement the way that this all came together is obviously kind of like very interesting and very unique to the time that we find ourselves in right now you want to talk a little bit about that yeah i mean to be quite honest like obviously none of us involved with it realized how big it would be we were just making a a film with our friends and everyone who's seen it and everyone you see behind the camera are just our friends and have been our friends for years and we just have this whatsapp group called the quarantine movie club where we were watching movies every day and yeah we just pivoted to making a movie and that's host and we just shudder took a chance on us we only pitched them two words we just said it's going to be a zoom seance it was going to be with our friends we'll make it in lockdown we want it out by july and this was in like in may and we want basically full control and like we don't want any interference and shudder was just like yeah cool sounds good um <laughs> and they let us make it and they didn't know how it would turn out we didn't know how it would turn out because it, no one's made a film under lockdown conditions before sure. with yeah. very little like resources and turned in like luckily turned into what what's turned into which is heist <laughs> that's amazing so i've kind of been watching what you guys have been doing for a while and to see oh, cool, to see you guys doing this now is amazing and yeah I mean, we could talk all day about the success of Host. Obviously, congratu- massive congratulations, not only on the fact that you're now making a film with Sam Raimi. Yes, yes, we are, yeah. Unbelievable, <laughs> incredible, yeah. It's um, crazy, but, isn't it? Like, he's yeah. like my hero as well, so it's crazy. Yeah, and now uh, obviously just signed a, a three-film deal with Blumhouse as well. That must be just like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, it, it is, it is. Well, the, the the Raimi one, and we announced a Studio Canal prison horror movie as well recently, and okay. those two were already set up way before Host. Based on our shorts, we, we got a bunch of like film deals off the back of that, but because of lockdown, we couldn't make any of them, so that's another reason we, we did Host, but because of Host's success, that's why they were all like announced around the time of Host. So uh, though it looks like we got a lot of deals because of host it's only the, the blumhouse ones we have got directly sure. because because of host but yeah three three blumhouse movies is is like dreamland it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy um but because we're, we're making them we've already started like making the first one we don't really have time to kind of even think about it and i think in, in years to come i'll look back and go oh my god like 2020 was insane like not just because <laughs> of like lockdown and that and other stuff but like literally just another level for, for for me and rob it just kind of we're just making just the films like of our dreams now basically and incredible it's crazy and we're from the uk as well it doesn't happen to people <laughs> from the uk as well <laughs> crazy so yeah we, we haven't really had a chance to even like kind of let it sink in yet 
because we're straight on to the into the next one, which we're, we're going to start shooting in, in in a few weeks, and then okay. it'll be out by hopefully the end of the year or or, or January or something. Nice. Uh, anything, anything you can say about that just yet? It is more ambitious than host. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. on, on a bigger scale, but still like with intimate an intimate feel to it, but but. On, on a larger scale and okay, I mean, a bit more money so we can yeah. do more even more stunts going by i mean going by your time scale there yeah it's kind of yeah that's that's amazing honestly like it's like obviously i haven't watched you guys with with, with some interest recently it's just it's yeah unbelievable to see just how quickly things seem to be rolling for you and it's just like you said you're, you're from the uk so it's like it's weird yeah. for that to happen, so it's really cool to see it happen as well. So amazing. Yeah, cool. and it's really organically as well. And and I think it's because like because we use our friends and like people can see it that this is just a group of friends just doing something in lockdown that mm-hmm. is bacon sour bread. It's just some something different. And the fact that all of us are so kind of accessible and like social networks and like all the girls felt like friends yeah. in host because they were friends. It just all feels authentic, so I think that's why people kind of like liked it. Like uh, in that, that might be boiling it down to like something that, like, well, I don't know. I don't know why people like it. To be honest, it's, it's hard to really work out, really. I mean, <laughs> like, like I, I, I think it's that, and it's also really fucking scary as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fucking great. And another thing I really like about it, and this is something that I've bitched and bitched about a few times with other films, is anything that's like that. That's whether it's found footage or whether it's like um, things that unfriended. If yeah. for a minute you can tell someone's acting, it pulls me yeah. right out. I'm like, right, this is yeah. this is bullshit. Yeah, not for never for a minute did I did I feel that with with host. It all felt very natural yeah. and like you said, very organic. And uh, yeah, I, a lot of it. You know, they, they, we redacted a lot of the script from them, like in terms of the death. So some of the times when you're seeing deaths on screen, it's the first time the girls have seen it. Oh, nice, because yeah. we we did all the deaths first and then we played it in live, like just so we get their real reactions. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. So especially when you see when you see Emma reacting to Teddy's kind of death with the fire and yeah. and, and and Ginny being kind of like hoisted up in the air and, and stuff. She's seen that for the first time, so you can see her reja- her reaction looks genuine. That's cool. Yeah. yeah that's, we that's just amazing. had to invent a way of filmmaking that just kind of didn't exist before because of of lockdown. But yeah, it's it's working out pretty pretty good so far it's really funny yeah, because but... um just before we watched host you were saying the last thing i really want is a bunch of films about are, are a bunch of films made during lockdown a bunch yeah, of fucking yeah, yeah. bullshit and then like on a mini so a few weeks ago when we talked about host uh you were like i know i said i didn't I was... want this but i want it i want it all <laughs> I, <laughs> I was i was like as it turns out i was like you know that extremely simplistic thing i said a few weeks ago i'm gonna have to recant that almost <laughs> instantly so um the good thing is we've probably killed it for anyone else to make it now so there probably won't be another kind of lockdown film shot on zoom that's a horror film because everything will probably be compared to host now and that's not Jed. really fair Jed, do you know the genre as well as i do there'll be a fuckload <laughs> yeah. of them made but not but ultimately every single one of them is going to be compared to host yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jed, it sounds like uh it sounds like a lot of great stuff is happening and there'll be a lot more news to come in the next little while. Where can people keep up with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jed Shepherd, J E D S H E P H E R D. Yeah, and I'm on, on there all the time really. Just mm. talking about horror mostly. It's stuff. And showing um, your amazing VHS collection. Yeah, my my VHS collection is, is where we get a lot of my ideas as well. Huh. So um I look at those and think, oh, how could how could you do that now? It's quite a good idea, mm-hmm. and um, use that for scares. And you'll see in this upcoming, the first Blumhouse one, a lot of the scares and the set pieces are from some classic 
movies that we've kind of like made our own and paid homage to almost but um yeah just like host like you'll see some of the scares from host are from things like joko anwar's satan slaves like we use that the ghost thing in the sheet yeah we, we took it from that yeah we just wear, wear our references on our sleeves mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be the same for the next one as well amazing uh yeah this is this has been a blast thanks so much for taking the time to do this yeah, yeah man, thanks for thank asking me had a good time so I don't know about you, but I am 100% fine with having to do a little format adjustment to accommodate Teen Witch. Absolutely. If anyone else wants to bring on films similar in tone to Teen Witch, I'm more than happy to consider them. Definitely. I'm not going to get, you know, we're not opening the floodgates here. There's not going to be like a massive like tone shift in everything that we do here. But I'm just saying it maybe makes us a little bit more amenable to some other things. Absolutely. I mean, I, we are quite open to things. We did Garbage Pail Kids and stuff like that. So This is very true, I guess. Yeah, but big thank you to Executive producer and writer of host jed shepherd for joining us this week to talk teen witch and if you haven't checked it out and you're curious about it and why would you not be after that conversation in that cell it's available on netflix yeah and host is available on shudder and we've both talked about it before can't recommend enough that you check it out it's amazing it's less than an hour long just go get it watched yeah it's awesome However, we are done for another one of these. We will not be gone for long, though. We'll be back this Monday with another mini-sode for you, and we'll be doing all the usual stuff. We'll be wading through the end game of the 90s side quest. We'll be talking about what we've been watching. We'll be taking a look at your feedback. Also, we'll be playing Mitch's Pitches, and we'll be letting you know everything that you need to know for next week's episode as well. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, loads of ways to do that, of course. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. And I almost forgot, you can, of course, interact with other listeners on our Facebook group, The Chad Locker. Yep, and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash strongvioluntscenes. We're putting stuff up all the time right now, and uh, this week's probably no exception. Yep, yep, we're trying to keep the hot streak going with that one, so head over and check that out if you haven't already. We will be back this Monday, though, with another mini-sode in the main feeds. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, the real magic is believing in yourself. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain, production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.